I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome in to the It's Utah's World podcast. Tom Hackett alongside Steve Bartle with you guys as always. I uh, hope everybody's having a, a good week, a, a safe week um, with, with everything going on. We, we appreciate you, of course, tuning in. Uh, and this podcast brought to you by, you'll never guess it, Nate Wade Subaru. Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street. You can check them out online at natewade.com. They, um, they set up their website now where you don't actually have to go to the dealership for for any real reason. You can do everything online. It's all digital, which is quite unique uh, for car dealerships these days. If you have service questions, if you need to book an appointment, if you want to search cars, if you even want to test drive a car, you can do it on nateway.com, which is pretty dang cool if you ask me. So, uh, But, of course, they're, they're still open. So if you are comfortable going down, they, they will ask you to wear a mask. And... Uh, and, and try and uh, keep social distance as best as possible. But nonetheless, uh, Nate Wade Subaru, we love and appreciate them. They do a ton for us, and they can do a ton for you if you let them. Steve Bartle, my man, your beard is looking oh so divine. How are you, my man? <laughs> I'm good, man. The uh, the beard is getting kind of crazy. I was just thinking the other day, like, I need to trim it. Kendra tells me all the time, and so it's, you know, it's starting to get through that I probably should trim it, so... But I'm, you know, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep at it. But I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Look, I can't complain. Um, everything's kind of just moving along, and I wake up most mornings pretty happy to be here. So that's all I can ask for. Uh, quick question, because uh, and we haven't talked about this much on the podcast, but uh, and maybe you don't want to, uh, and I'm just gonna throw it out there, uh, like the fool that I am. You are getting married here soon. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're yeah, we're about a month away. So, uh, congratulations, of course. Um, Thanks, man. W- walk me through kind of what's going on with the beard as it relates directly to the big day. Well, I'm pretty sure if I show up to wedding day with the beard as it currently looks, that I, I will not be getting married. And mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure that there will have to be some sort of grooming um, <laughs> taking place between now and February 20th. Uh, and so I will uh, be enjoying my, my, my days, my time with the beard at its, you know, at its length and at its girth. And uh, I will uh, enjoy it uh, and remember these days fondly uh, because the time is coming where the reckoning is coming basically for the beard. And so soon, the, the, you know, it, it will be gone here, here soon. So we'll see. Well, oh, my goodness. Uh, best of luck for whatever. Thank you. 
all that prayers involves. would be appreciated. Yes. Look, I'm 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 not a I'm not a prayer necessarily, but I can certainly yes. give you good wishes, my man. And uh, <laughs> I I guess I could pray. Like I don't think there's like a book where it's like this is how you pray, right? You can kind of just do your own prayer. So I'll I'll do a prayer. It'll just be like well, actually, quite Tom, I have a message. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're about to go full full missionary on me there. That might have come out wrong if if people uh, aren't all that familiar yeah. with the yeah, LDS yeah. Church. Uh, so I do apologize. I hope most of our listeners understood that that, that was a reference to um, LDS missionaries, Mission, yeah, missionary not work. Yes. Yeah, not the other. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless. Uh, right. <laughs> this is why we don't talk about things we shouldn't talk about. It just it never ends well, Steve. Uh, okay. So there's big news in the sports world, uh, specifically in the college football ranks, as Pac 12 commissioner Larry Scott has decided uh, along with uh, the board of executives up up there in the PAC 12, that he is going to resign in the coming months, uh, June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Correct. The day. Thank you for for confirming, Uh, which uh, to be quite blunt is fantastic news. Um, The the man, anyway, we will get into it. We'll also talk more about kind of who maybe could take over his position because there have been candidates thrown out there. I know Ute Zone did a piece on that. Steve, you were responsible uh, putting together that story. So that's obviously well worth talking about. While I'm talking about Ute Zone, it's well worth a shout out to them. UteZone.com is kind of this um, unique little, I shouldn't say little because it's growing rather rapidly, but it's, it's, it's essentially like a one-stop shop for all Utah fans to go and, uh, and get information. Information that you would not be able to receive from other lenders or venues, whatever you want to call them, platforms. Uh, There's message boards. Steve is a big, big part of it all. He's kind of the the key figure at Utah. He will speak to you directly. If you have a question, you need an answer as it relates to Utah, anything, specifically football and basketball, he generally will have an answer for you. So utah.com, they offer seven-day free trial. So if you don't fancy their services, you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to end up paying, but there's a really good chance you'll love what they have to offer. Uh, and I cannot vouch for them enough over at Ute Zone. And then, of course, there's some recruiting news. In fact, let's let's start there, Steve, and then we'll kind of get into the more heavier stuff. But I, I, I noticed this morning you put out a page, uh, a story, I should say, regarding Ricky Parks, and and he will be enrolling early, which is massive news for Utah football. Yeah, no, it, it's it's a it's a good thing for Utah. Um, you know, Ricky Parks is one of, I want to say, not not including the transfers. I want to say that there are ten players that are enrolling early, and Ricky Parks being one of them. Um, and so, uh, big big news for Utah. It's it's good to get these guys, and we've talked about it on the podcast previously of just how beneficial uh, enrolling early uh, is for these guys, just because they kind of. They get acclimated. They get to go through a spring camp and get a little bit more time with coaches in terms of learning technique and getting a little bit more uh, individual time with with coaches and learning how to play the game the right way. Uh, and so this is this is you know it's good to have these guys enrolling early. Uh, and Ricky Parks, you know how how important is that commitment now? Looking back on it. Uh, you know, I remember at the time he committed early in the summer back in June 
and you're looking at the running back depth chart and you're saying, well, you know, why is, why is Utah, you know, making, making the running back a position, a, a priority when they've got so many running backs and, you know, is this really a need? And, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen. Utah saw you know, a lot of attrition at the position. And, and so uh, Ricky Parks, that, that commitment early on in the process was very, very important now. And he'll join the program and, I'm excited about Ricky. I I thought that he was a, a very high talent, a little underrated in my opinion, and I think he's going to be a great addition to the program. That's very that's very exciting for Utah fans to hear. Hey, quickly, um, Ricky Parks. He's similar build of, of Ty Jordan, right? He's not the biggest of backs, and he's the type of back that can catch the football out of the backfield. You can put him at the slot. Am I am I correct in saying that? He's a little bit bigger. He's more along the lines of Devin Brumfield. I think Utah listed him at 5'11", 214 officially. We had him on our website listed at like 5'10", 192 pounds, but obviously that was a little outdated. Okay, uh, that's yeah, where Utah, I'm being mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Utah uh, listed him on – they have him listed on their National Signing Day roster as 5'11", 214. So he's a wow. bigger back, actually. Wow. You know, that's – it's kind of the the kid that they need in that group. So, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, Two fourteen is is pretty solid. Um, yeah. So he's hopefully going to yeah, a big boy. Yeah, he's a bowling ball, if you will. Just uh, anyway. Um, speaking of bowling balls, it just came to my attention. Like I've, I and I think we've spoken about this on on the podcast, and and we don't have a ton of time today, so we're not going to get into it. But it's just food for thought. Like Utah struggled drastically on third and short scenarios last yeah. year in 2020. Um, I'm wondering if, if in 2021 maybe they changed the way they handled third and one. Uh, and if they if they if they want to run the football, I'm not opposed to running the football. But why don't they just put like a defensive lineman in the backfield at the fullback position, like and just <laughs> short hand off yeah. and say you can get a yard, like. <laughs> We shouldn't have to block for you and you should still be able to get a yard type of thing. Uh, yeah. I remember when I first came to Utah, like the year before, it must have been 2011, um, the talk in the locker room for quite some time was Star Lele's fake punt against Cal in California where he was a part of the Shield. It was a direct snap to the Shield and I must have watched this play on repeat you know, 20, 30 times, because here's this monster of a human. I mean, Stalotelele was yeah. not only big, but he was incredibly powerful. Like a lot of guys, you'd be surprised, Steve, a lot of the guys when I was around playing, and I imagine it's the same now, these massive humans enter the, the team, right? And they're big recruits, um, Bam being one of them, and they come into the weight room and they're just throwing iron around like it's no one's business. And you're going, my God, my goodness, these guys are going to be a freak of nature. And then they get onto the football field and they have a really hard time blocking people that are smaller than them. And it's like, there's this dynamic between weight room strength and football strength. And yeah. some people kind of just have a really hard time. Star was not one of them. He was in fact the opposite. He wasn't all that strong in the weight room, but when it came to the football field, if you got within the three foot radius of him, your head was coming off, you know? <laughs> uh so, yeah, anyway, third and one, I, I would love to see them put 
somebody you know of, of yeah. like 270 back in the full and and you can have a running back behind the fullback but it's just a short handoff to the fullback and you plow your way i mean you, it's very hard to stop no i agree and hopefully we'll see some adjustments some some fun things in those third and shorts i think they've added some pieces in this signing class with the group that they brought in particularly through the transfer portal with you know chris curry uh, the other running back, who's like 5'11", 218, uh, runs very physically. Uh, Pledger? Uh, TJ Pledger is, is a nice athlete, uh, runs tough. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's kind of the, the power back. He's, right. he's more of the athletic type. And then you've got Jaquinnon Jackson, who, you know, he's, he's 6'1", 6'2", 230 pounds. And, you know, he's, he's one of those dudes that is just naturally powerful. Like mm. you watch him and he's consistently running through tackles. Uh, his high school tape is just, uh, just very, very impressive in that regard in terms of him just being a powerful runner. That's Jaquinnon Jackson. So I'm curious to see um, what kind of impact those two players, Chris Curry and, and Jaquinnon Jackson are, are able to have because Utah's got the big bodies, right? Like there's no reason they shouldn't be, super effective in those short yarded situations. Um, but clearly I think they, you know, we, everybody agrees because it's plain as plain as day that they have to be better in those power yardage situations. Yeah. That was probably the one downfall when you look back on the season and I know they ended well, they ended with a th- three game win streak after two consecutive losses to, to start. But even during that win streak, there were times where third down scenarios just just wasn't working for them. Anyway, uh, we'll talk more about that over the coming weeks and 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 um, and dissect kind of further as to what Utah needs to do. The talk of the town, Steve, though, is 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 Larry Scott, yeah, uh, and his departure from from office, if you will. Um, he made forty million dollars in about a decade. As the Pac-12 commissioner, he took private jets to certain games. Um, he butchered a TV rights deal, which is still butchered to this day. I mean, you can't get the Pac-12 network on certain cable uh, platforms, which is just ludicrous. Um, a lot of like a lot of games that are played on the Pac-12 network really just they don't get a a ton of marketing you know there's just not that many eyes that watch them uh they've drained money as a as a result of 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 larry scott but also the pandemic i mean that's not you know it's not all his fault the pandemic did hurt and and they they got rid of a ton of their staff midway through 2020 and a lot of that was due to the, the pandemic but you know the years prior it's not like they set themselves up for success necessarily so larry scott's name must be mentioned in that conversation i think the overall vibe steve from from the larry scott era if you will is just one of disappointment um he the pac 12 hasn't moved forward if anything it's stayed the same but i think more people most people are probably now starting to believe that the pac 12's take, taken backward steps Especially when you consider the conference uh, from a national perspective, um, yeah. it's never it's never really in contention, or at least it hasn't been over the past five six years. There hasn't really been a team from the Pac-12 that's been considered 
a playoff team. I mean, Utah from 2019 might have been the the best team out of the Pac-12 that, that could have made a, made a play in the playoffs, but they fell short against Oregon in the title game. Uh, and so the conference is kind of in this weird spot, uh, yeah. especially as it relates to other conferences. The SEC, even the Big Ten, the two powerhouse conferences in the land, uh, taking flight and their teams are getting better. Their conferences are getting stronger. Um, their top-heavy conferences, I would like to add, they have really good teams at the top and a lot of really bad teams down the bottom. The Pac-12, what it has working for it is it's a pretty well based conference generally speaking like most weeks you know the underdog could win whereas in the sec that's generally alabama just won't lose to vanderbilt like you do you just know that's going to happen but in the the pac-12 like you know oregon state nowadays aren't a bad team they used to be really quite poor they can knock off an oregon they did last year so um that's working for and against the conference uh but but I guess kind of tell me kind of what your thoughts were when, when this news broke. And then if you want to further detail some of the, the candidates, Steve, that, that you, that you wrote about, that would be awesome too. Yeah, no, I, I think for everybody, it was just um, kind of a sigh of relief that his tenure has, you know, will come to an end and will come to an end, you know, in the, in the very near future. Um, You know, his contract was set to expire uh, in June of 2022. And so uh, you have to appreciate the PAC 12 executive committee's decision uh, to cut that a year short uh, and give the, the new commissioner the opportunity to get to know PAC 12, get to, to, to learn the lay of the land, get familiar with the operation of the conference, kind of their goals, their vision of what they want the conference to be. Uh, and, you know, give him time to properly prepare for the next round of TV negotiation. Um, and and I think that was uh, very, very important. And I think, you know, Larry Scott uh, is deserves a lot of criticism, but, you know, he does deserve um, to – he does deserve credit for getting the Pac-12 for, you know, basically – forming the Pac-12 and he does he played a part in that and in bringing Utah and Colorado to the conference and uh you know he had a a a vision of a TV network that would be able to uh, add additional revenue which at the time was great thinking but you know as time went on during his tenure it just it was one mistake after another and then it turned to one blunder after the other and you know, by the end of, you know, this this decade that he's had, you know, we're starting to see scandals, you know, in both football and basketball, whether it be recruiting scandals or refereeing scandals. And it was just that all of these things really kind of hurt the image of the Pac-12. And that's compounded by the fact that you don't have a team competing you know, for the college football playoff and you don't have teams competing for the final four and all of these things just really, you know, the PAC 12 has lost a lot of respect nationally. And I think that's kind of the thing here that I'm most excited about is getting somebody in place that will make, you know, football, basketball, the priority and, 
and bring respect back to the conference because they're this is a great conference. There's a lot of great programs in the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, Utah, Oregon, USC, Washington have all proven to be very competitive in, in all major sports. And I think uh, I'm excited for what, uh, what is to come, you know, with, with uh, the potential new candidate. And so, you know, it'll be very interesting to see how the Pac-12 executive committee elects to move forward, what they value, who they, you know, start to hone in on as their next commissioner. And uh, some early candidates that, that have been mentioned, you know, by Bruce Feldman, Adam Rittenberg of, of ESPN. Uh, you're seeing names like Gene Smith, uh, the AD at Ohio State. You're seeing names like uh, Greg Byrne, um, you know, of, of Alabama, the AD at, at Alabama. Oliver Luck, who's uh, was the commissioner of the XFL and uh, former athletic director at West Virginia, whose son was Andrew Luck at Stanford. Uh, and so, you know, you've got a lot of good names that have a lot of, uh, they've, they've got winning pedigrees, basically. I mean, you're talking about the, the athletic director at Alabama with, you know, Nick Saban and what he's done there and, you know, an improving basketball team. You've got Gene Smith from Ohio State and what they've been able to do. I think that's kind of becoming clear that maybe the executive committee wants to bring in somebody from one of those big boy programs, you know, that are consistently competing at a high level. Uh, and I think that's, that could be huge. And obviously we'll see as, as things move forward, but I think early on the early candidates uh, you've got to feel optimistic about the PAC 12 and kind of their vision moving forward of what they want for the conference. You know, if you're, if you're hoping to see football and basketball become the premier leaders of, of the conference, you have to like what, you know, you have to like the early candidates so far. Without question, uh, another name, ASU's Ray Anderson, he's the AD down at Arizona State, he's mm-hmm. another name that, that could potentially make a run. Um, it, it's, it, it's interesting, Steve, isn't it? Because, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion on, on either somebody that they want in particular. They may have an, like a name, that, that Gene Smith, for example. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that would love for Gene Smith or Greg Byrne to – to take over, but then there are going to be other people out there that are, that are in charge of, of making this, this decision um, that, that maybe, maybe they want somebody that's of younger age, right? Because this right. is normally a job that um, like Larry Scott, for example, he was in the, in the role for a decade. Generally speaking, that's, that, that's pretty common. Um, maybe, maybe people out there, they, they want a female in the role. You know, yeah. I, I think all of that would be, would be welcomed. Um, and if you can find, to be quite frank, if you can find a female um, of, of younger age, you know, in, in her late thirties, mid late thirties, forties type of thing, uh, and she's the yeah. best candidate, then I'm all for it. That, that like, yeah. and I think that's, that's what I would like to get across is um, personally, I just want the best candidate regardless of, you know, who they are, how old they may sure. be, what sex they, they, they are. It just, just the, this conference needs the best candidate. Um, but at the same time, if, if that happened to be a female uh, who is younger, that would be, that's kind of my dream, 
right there, yeah. if you will. I just think it brings a different element and a different aspect to the future of the conference. Um, but it's such a massive decision, isn't it? I, I, can't, yeah. I guess I can't stress that enough, how big of a decision this is. And that there, there are the committee that's going to make this decision. I believe, Steve, there's three people, correct, that are going to be in charge of making this decision. How does that work? Who, who's all involved in oh, the search? I think you may not know, and that's okay, but uh, I'm not all that sure either i just remember seeing something yesterday that suggested um oregon's president his name's like yeah michael Sh- michael shield and Shield. Then you've got washington president anna marie uh Koss, Koss, koch something like yep. that and then you've got kirk Scholes at washington state so those are, are kind of there the three go. names that have been mentioned as as the leaders there's you know, obviously, it's going to include the the Pac-12 CEO group, but those are going to be the three that that lead this thing for sure. Hey, there's a name out there that one of our friends is rather high on and has been for some time. Sean O'Connell, who I'm sure many people that listen to this podcast are familiar with. He's on Sirius XM at the minute. He used to be on local radio airwaves and uh, former player at the University of Utah and the great Weber State. Great Sean, Weber uh, State. Great, great, great Weaver State. Uh, he seems to believe, and it, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we could like uh, do a little more homework before we get on here and actually ask him to come on the show to talk more about it next week. But the chances of that happening are slim because um, Steve and I, well, I'll speak for myself. I, I just don't communicate with people. Uh, he seems to think Dr. Hill, Dr. Chris Hill yeah. is a candidate. So here's, here's the, what I know, because I remember speaking to Sean about this. He bumped into Dr. Hill uh, on a walk up by his home. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long ago, but I be- but I'm I'm certain it was after the the the, the Dr. Hill era at Utah. So he sure. had entered retirement. Mark Harlan was in the AD role, and he spoke to Dr. Hill for some time, I believe. And I I, I think the the, the narrative that came following that conversation was Dr. Hill would be interested yeah. in taking over the PAC 12 commissioner role, albeit on a short term basis. Um, Dr. Hill's yeah. obviously, he's an older man and he's made his money and he's more than happy in retirement. So he's probably feeling very little pressure at this point, um, you know, as opposed to potentially what he may have felt 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I don't hate that idea. I think yeah. Dr. Hill's a great businessman. He did a lot for this university. He seems to know enough people uh, and have enough backing that he could well be a candidate for a short-term basis. And 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 to, to, to I guess, uh, go back to kind of what I was talking about as it related to candidates, you know, the job historically, Steve, has been a long-term position. A lot of people have spent many years at one time in the role. It doesn't have to be that way. That, you know, because like we only have a few months essentially to find a new commissioner, which may not be long enough. And if mm-hmm. Dr. Hill can provide a short-term um, benefit for the, for the conference, then I think that, that just go with that. And then you can, you can search 
for much longer. You can put on a year-long search. You can put on a two-year search, you know, where, where you methodically go through every step to make sure that the person coming in following Dr. Hill is the right person for the job. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's something I've I've heard as well. I've heard that there would be interest on Dr. Hill's part, and I heard, you know, that Dr. Hill would have the respect of you know, the Pac-12 CEO group and, you know, he's kind of well-versed in, you know, big negotiations, you know, with bringing Utah to the Pac-12. That was a big deal uh, for, for Chris Hill and, and a, big, uh, <laughs> a, a big resume builder, we'll call it that. Um, and, and I think that Dr. Hill's familiarity with the conference, kind of his experience having – you know, been the athletic director at Utah for so many years, I think that that would be huge for him. And I, I do think that, you know, he would be a solid candidate if, if the Pac-12 indeed elects to go that way. Um, it would be interesting, to say the least, considering the, the ties to Utah and what that would potentially mean for the program. I don't think that, like, I'm not saying that there would be, like, special treatment or anything like that, or and I'm not saying that there wouldn't be, but uh, it would just be the, the the ties would be interesting to see how it all played out, and yeah. uh, it would be it would be exciting to see somebody like that in you know as the commissioner to have somebody from Utah uh, that has been a part of the program for so many years be the leader the 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 face of the conference basically uh, would be uh, really really cool to see and and like you said uh, it sounds like there would be interest from Doctor Hill and and I've heard uh, that there there would be you know, a great deal of respect for him if, you know, he were to, to get the job. Hey, what are, um, what are some of the immediate changes or, or policy changes that, that you would like to see pretty soon uh, following whoever's hired in the position? Man, that's, that's a, a great question. I think for me, um, you know, for me, like this all comes back to just re kind of rebuilding your image, right? And rebuilding the 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 respect that was lost, kind of regaining that that respect. And you know, I I don't have any thoughts on on terms of what changes need. I just hope that with whoever is hired that. You know, that's kind of the focus is rebuilding, um, rebuilding the image, the Pac-12 image uh, and, and kind of rebuilding the brand. That, yeah. That's the big thing for me is and I hope is the goal for the executive committee for, you know, the new commissioner, whoever he may be. You know, as much as this is about the, the TV contract and all of that, you know, that's Utah. The Pac-12 is going to get a big deal, right? There are. They're the next in line. It's just like quarterback negotiation, quarterback contract negotiations in the NFL. You know, when you're the next man up, you get the big contract. Not everybody is Patrick Mahomes, but, you know, you're the next guy up, you know, in the NFL at quarterback. You're going to get a big contract. And, you know, so I'm not as concerned about the TV contract itself, but, you know, I hope that they make it a focus to bring somebody in that will just kind of rebuild the image and, and regain. Uh, and work towards regaining the respect that has been lost over the last few years. So can we both agree that 
the Pac-12 headquarters need to change. So yes. For me, that would yeah. probably yes. be, for me, that would probably be like priority number one is let's get out yeah. of San Francisco where rent is through the roof and go somewhere that's affordable, that's pleasant, that's enjoyable, yeah. that has great culture, that's welcoming. And not that San Francisco isn't that. I love the city of San Francisco. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. It reminds me of home to a certain extent. Um, but it's just so expensive. I, I saw a story, Steve, oh, the other day. And again, don't shoot the messenger. I don't know how factual this is, but, but this is what I read. And it, it was a photo of the presidential suite that the Commissioner Scott has been staying in the past decade. I'm oh, sure you've boy. seen it. I'm sure yeah. many people have seen the photos. It goes at about seven and a half thousand. They rent it for about seven and a half thousand dollars a night. Jeez. Which is just absurd. I mean, you know, it's like uh, for a conference that, that that hasn't done much, to be quite frank, uh, like what are we doing in San Francisco yeah. for crying out loud? I, if you look at where the SEC is headquartered, I'm going to Google it quickly because it's I've forgotten, but it's in like the middle of nowhere, uh, SEC headquarters. Give me a second. Oh, yeah, it's like a warehouse for it's the Birmingham, SEC. Like- yeah. Birmingham, Alabama, I believe. Like, like, come on, where rent is $4 a night and you, buddy, get up and you eat your, your, your whatever they eat for breakfast out there, you know, isn't like fried chicken and like waffles a big thing. And then in the South they have country fried pork is what I'm trying to say. Dude, have you had country fried pork? No, I haven't. Is that, oh, is that good? So good. Yeah. Oh. So good. I think, I, I, look, I could be getting it wrong. I'm trying to think of a certain dish that they used to feed us occasionally at the football facility that I really liked. And when I learned more about it, I, it comes from the South. So anytime I think of like Alabama or anything, I think of that dish, but that's irrelevant. It's in Birmingham, Alabama, where rent cannot be that high. Yeah. You know? And it's the and- SEC, Steve. It's the biggest conference right. there is and the pac 12 the foolish pac 12 is headquartered in san bloody francisco california where yeah. rent is seven and a half thousand dollars a night and so like per year it's seven million dollars per year just to rent the the uh, <laughs> uh the conference office uh, in Walnut Creek, or, or it, they moved from Walnut Creek, California, to downtown San Francisco. Come on. Uh, and they're spending $7 million a year per per year, uh, $7 million a year on rent. And then you combine that with Larry Scott's price tag of $5.3 million. That's $12 million. Um, and he had like, a, obviously – he, he had a person, a private chef. Yeah, like it's it's just absurd, right? And Come by on. the end of this – like Larry Scott, during his ten years, he will have gotten about fifty million dollars out of the Pac-12 from two thousand nine to twenty nineteen, uh, or by the end of this contract, I should say. And that's just you know it's crazy, and that's a, an absurd amount of money for a commissioner. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Tom. Move, relocate uh, the, the like Pac-12 City. headquarters, Salt Lake City. Yeah, you. I think you even wrote about that. Did you write about that previously? I did, and I think to- we, we. Yeah, we briefly spoke about it on the podcast a couple months ago. Yeah, um, Salt Lake City's a great. Here's the deal. So, so in truth, I think the headquarters should move 
to like Vegas. Yes, would I be, agree. That that would be kind of price. That's in 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 truth, that's kind of where I think they should move because it's a central yeah. location. It's very accessible. Hotels are plenty. Also, very yep. cheap. There's a ton. That, well, I shouldn't say there's a ton to do, but there's a decent amount to do in Vegas. Uh, second in line, I really do think Salt Lake City should be second in line. Yeah. Uh, it's again another central location. It's got an international airport. Uh, it's the airport's like. 10, 15 minutes, much like Vegas, right there. Um, the, and to be to be honest, with what Salt Lake City has over Vegas, and some people may disagree, but I, I would argue that there's actually, there's actually more to do here in Salt Lake City than there is down there in Vegas. I mean, you've got the Strip, but, you know, that's full of casinos and nightclubs mm-hmm. and adult entertainment. Uh, and you have beautiful golf in Vegas as well. And there are hikes and there's certain landscape to explore, but Utah is its own different breed in the sense that four seasons, you know, a yep. true winter, a true summer, a true spring, and a true fall. Um, and, and of course, the mountains and then so skiing. Anyway, we don't need to get into all that. Yeah. I think Salt Lake City should be number two. I think Vegas is probably the, the choice that yeah. most people would agree on. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. And I think... Salt Lake City would be a great place. You know, obviously, you know, we we've grown up here over the last few years and we've seen the growth in in Salt Lake County and seen, you know, what's coming, you know, down the road. Obviously, the airport and its whole uh, renovation and all that has been fantastic to see and uh and downtown Salt Lake City just continues to, you know, there's new buildings going up all the time. And yeah, I, I think Salt Lake City should be a viable candidate to host uh, the Pac-12 headquarters. But I agree with you. I think Vegas is and probably should be uh, the the destination for Pac-12 headquarters. I can't imagine it would be terribly expensive at all <laughs> to to move there and to to rent a building out there. So um, yeah, that that should you're absolutely right, Tom. That should be priority number one for the Pac-12 is getting the headquarters the hell up out of San Francisco and, and move somewhere much more affordable and cut that mm. cost for sure. The second thing I'd love to see done, Steve, is um, the Pac-12 title game. That should be moved to Vegas, which I know I think yeah. it was already planned on. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, needs to, that needs to happen pronto, like ASAP, like just move it in 2021 is what I would do. And, like, yeah, that may take some logistics, it may take some extra planning, some coordination, and it might take a little bit of time to get done. Just get it done. It can't be that hard. Speak to the Raiders owner, the one with the, the real weird haircut. Speak to him and say, how much are you going to charge us for the Pac-12 title game to be played here? And away we go. Away we go. Negotiations are underway. So um, that needs to happen as well. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what else needs to Oh, the television deal obviously needs to sort itself out. Like, like Steve, how hard can it be? And I know you and I are kind of, you know, we don't really know a ton about the business side as it relates directly to television, although I, I guess I technically work for a television company, uh, but I'm not in those meetings. Like, it just can't be that hard to come to some sort of an agreement with a television company to say, hey, can you put our, can you put our channel on your, on your airwaves? Like, like, like seriously. Can we just figure it out, please? And can we and can we get people on the East Coast able to watch the Pac-12? 
That's yeah. ludicrous. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I obviously that was kind of the and I hate to like <laughs> uh yeah. That was a big issue. Obviously, a big talking point for a lot of people was the the, the direct TV deal with with Larry Scott. That was a, you know, unfortunately, Larry Scott, the Pac-12, uh, weren't able to to get that done, and you know, it put the Pac-12 behind in terms of the amount of eyeballs that the conference would be available to. And so, uh, hopefully, uh, something is resolved there because direct TV is still, you know, one of the uh, the the big TV. Uh, dealers and so uh yeah i mean hopefully they figure out something whether it's with directv or whether it's it's through another avenue uh you got to figure something out to to take advantage of of this tv contract deal yeah anyway um i think that's about all, all the time we have for today uh we will we'll be following this story uh, closer than you guys uh, probably realize we'll be talking about the happenings, the progress, you know, all of the above. It it is worth noting Larry Scott announced that it was a mutual decision. Uh, I can guarantee you it wasn't a mutual decision. Uh, It was uh, the, the CEO group decision to can old Scotty boy. Uh, I've had the chance of meeting Larry Scott actually, and uh, seemed rather pleasant, but he also, you also got the sense that, you know, there was just a few pieces to the puzzle that were maybe missing upstairs. Um, but anyway, that's, that's for another conversation, probably not on the record. Uh, Steve, my man, thank you so much. Uh, yes, to our sir. Listeners, to our listeners, we thank you as well. Nate Wade Subaru, our beloved sponsor, we, we wouldn't be able to put on this show without them. And um, happy January, everybody. Stay safe and um, we'll see you next week. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.